this is Patrick Daly and welcome to Interlinks. Interlinks is a program about connections, international business, supply chains and globalization and their effects on our life, our work and our travel in recent times. Today on the show, we will be talking to Joe Kenny, CEO of the Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport, CILT, in Ireland. Joe has been with the CILT since 2019 and was appointed CEO last year in 2022. Joe has a career background in public transport with both Dublin Bus and Bus Aaron, followed by different consultancy roles in management, coaching, uh, and the digitalization of public transport. And now significant development under Joe's leadership, the CILT will be hosting the Mobility and Supply Chain Summit at the Royal Marine Hotel in Dunleary on the 28th and 29th of March. Now, this is a significant event that will bring together uh, experts, practitioners, and academics from the worlds of supply chain and logistics to discuss and debate the development and trends in the industry and at this at a moment of enormous change and upheaval in the global supply chains of which Ireland is a key element so no doubt Joe will be able to fill us in on all the details of the event on the show today so welcome Joe and thank you very much for being here with us today thank you Patrick and thank you for the invitation um, glad to be here you're very welcome delighted to to have you so um let me see, to get going, to kick off, could you tell me a little bit about your career over the over the years in, in summary and how you became to be the CEO of CILT in Ireland? Indeed, I'll, 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 uh, sometimes I look back myself, Patrick, and wonder how that happened myself. So, yeah, in fact, when I look back at my career, I suppose... In many ways, I started out in logistics. Um, I didn't ever, uh, like lots of things in life, you never plan these things. Sometimes it's a matter of taking the opportunity when it presents itself. But when I was quite young, uh, 17, 18 years of age, I was still actually training to be a watchmaker because that's my trade. Um, so how do you come from watchmaker to uh, logistics and transport? You may well ask. But during that time, I got the opportunity and moved in, ha having bought a couple of uh, small vans and was doing some deliveries around Dublin. Um, there are other people who were competing with me at that time who went on to develop some of the largest logistics uh, trans companies in, in Ireland. Uh, I went a different route. Um, I worked as watchmaker for a while and uh, moved back in then to transport when I joined the CIE group, as it was then in 1983. But I had also done some uh, HGV driving in the UK um, on articulated trucks there around London um, and came back and, and moved through a career in CIE that saw me as a driver, as an instructor, as training manager, as employee relations manager, as operations manager and as HR director within the two companies. So, uh, in fact, I had over 35 years service uh, with, with them before I retired officially in 2016 and went into and, and started by accident as well. I have to say uh, some consultancy. It wasn't uh, that wasn't the plan. Um, the plan was actually to go off into a green field with a golf ball and chase it around on, until I decided <laughs> I couldn't do that anymore. But that really wasn't for me. Um, and the, uh, some opportunities arose. I have been working then with a number of private sector uh, bus companies and uh, those particularly in the tourist industry. I, um, I joined the board of a, of a company that was involved in that. 
And through one thing and another, uh, I started to get more involved with uh, CILT then as well. Initially, uh, with the CPC, the, the Transport Manager CPC, as, as a subject matter expert, I moved on then and uh, was asked to take over the role as chief examiner, which I did up to 2019. In fact, sorry, that was right up. I started in 2019 and up to 2022 uh, was chief examiner. And then um, the opportunity arose uh, because of circumstances then that uh, the uh, acting CEO position uh, was available and I was asked would I consider it and I said I would and uh, one thing led to another and in, in January of last year um, uh, following a competitive uh, uh, selection process I was selected as the CEO um, and have taken over so that was never the plan either um, but I'm here now a little over a year and I'm quite excited about the prospects for the next few years as my own personal agenda is aligned now very much with that of the Institute, which is to grow the Institute, grow its standing and develop it back up into a, a powerhouse really for professionals within the industry. And I know you have a particular interest in training and coaching and so on to help people to develop and thrive and make the best of themselves. But here's maybe, I'll turn this question on you a little bit. In, mm. in what ways did you actually coach yourself through your career, particularly when things were difficult or, or when the way forward wasn't clear? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, Patrick. I think that um, resilience is a key to uh, any level of success within no matter what industry you're in and no matter what role you're in is is looking to take the, the positives out of whatever situation you were in. Um, I was very lucky. Uh, I, I, I regard myself as being very lucky in two respects. One that I was I got to work with some of the best managers I've ever seen. Um, they were able to delegate authority um, and give you the role, the responsibility to take over and, and uh, carry out work. But that if you made a mistake, they made sure that they're ultimately it was their responsibility and they covered you. They, in other words, they gave you the room to grow. And too often I see within management that uh, people are given uh, given the uh, responsibility to carry out a task. And if they get it wrong, the person who gives them the responsibility to do it, unfortunately, is the first one to criticise them. We all have to learn. We all have to grow from our mistakes. And anyone who doesn't make a mistake hasn't learned. Um, and it's one of the uh, one of the things that I see frequently now, particularly with um, it. The, particularly with graduates fresh out of college and that they a lot of knowledge a lot of uh, a lot of learning but not having the opportunity to apply that and to learn from the mistakes that they inevitably will make so um from a coaching point of view it, it's about uh, you know putting support networks around people giving them the opportunity to you know have be mentored uh, which is critical um and then uh, you know allowing people that that opportunity to grow with whatever career that they have. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was lucky that way. The other thing I would say that I was lucky in is that sometimes opportunities come along and you have to be ready to take the opportunity. And, uh, you know, there's an old golfing saying about Lee, Lee Trevino said one time, you know, gee, or somebody said to him, gee, Mr. Trevino, you're very lucky. And he said, yeah, the, the more I practice, the luckier I get. 
Um, but it's true in business as well that if you prepare yourself, if you if you educate yourself, if you get yourself up to the skill levels that are needed in order to take that next opportunity, you will be lucky because you'll find that the opportunities present themselves following on from whatever development work you've done yourself. So I would always encourage people to take as much on as they can in terms of self-development. And then with the CILT now, Chartered Institute of Logistics and Transport, currently what are its aims and goals? Who who are its members? And what is its strategy then for achieving its, its aims and goals in the future? So um, CILT is, is a professional membership association. It's it's it's, so it's for of, it's for uh, individuals then individual professionals. For individuals, yeah. Yeah. And I and I would very much distinguish it from other organizations that are in the sector. We're not a trade association. We're not a lobby group. We do not lobby. We do not represent a group of people. What we do is we represent a number of individual uh, professional members. And the the uh, the entire strategy and the entire outlook of the institute is built around developing professionalization, educating and enhancing the stature of logistics and transport as a profession. Um, it's been around in one form and another since 1919. I mean, it grew out of uh, a learning from the First World War over in the UK when they came back and realized that, you know, supply chain was so important to success that unless you can replenish supplies in an effective way, and it, it, it dawned on them then, yeah, this should be something that's professional. And since then, what we've seen is optimization within supply chain, improvements within supply chain, and refinements uh, from technologies through to better education, uh, through to you know changing customer demands. So what the mem- what the institute is about is is allowing members with shared values about how to develop the the profession. Um, to meet and to share those ideas, to network with one another, um, and to uh, further education. And, and uh, as I spoke about earlier, about mentoring, allowing others that have greater uh, experience uh, to develop younger people coming through and to learn from them. So um, the focus is very much on that. And, and over the over the COVID period, of course, we had a really difficult time because it was quite difficult for people to meet. Yes, we had Zoom. Yes, we had other you know uh, ways that that people could contact one another. But you know, face to face meetings is very hard to uh, to beat them. And I think we've all come to that realization. There still, of course, is a place for online meetings. But the networking and and the sharing of ideas is core to what CILT is about. Secondly, I would say it's really about development of professional standards. And for the Institute itself, we see ourselves as the standard bearer. Uh, we will support and, and reach out to those that wish to become members. And, and that's true. Even though we will take in organizations as members at the heart, it's actually individual people who are the members of the Institute. So um, going forward, you ask about the strategy. The strategy is to grow the Institute. Uh, over the last number of years, there's probably just a slight disconnect between where the industry has moved to and where the where the institute is so developing the the reach of the institute 
to include um, all of the new actors that are now so prevalent within the industry. And that's from, you know, uh, the mobility players uh, such as, uh, you know, the bike sharing uh, platform operators, uh, you know, the likes of Freenow and, and, and so forth, on the, uh, as well as the, obviously the old older uh, technologies such that are used by the bus companies, the rail companies, the um, the uh, ports and uh, maritime sector, as well as aviation. And then on the logistics side, um, really, we're seeing so many uh, disruptors into the uh, into the uh, logistics as well, and primarily driven by technology. So uh, there are lots of new technologies that are being deployed. So as a result of which new companies are emerging that really focus just on the technology rather than you know, the physical moving of goods. Um, and that's throwing up some really interesting um, dynamics so that you have older uh, traditional logistics companies that are struggling to keep pace sometimes with the technology. You have new technology companies that really don't have the skill sets or, or the history of moving goods from A to B. And you have a, a mishmash or a hybrid, if you like, of those two meetings of the world that is driving uh, skill shortages on the one hand and also driving skill demand on the other. It's really, it's quite an interesting dynamic um, but what it does mean is that uh, from an education and skills development point of view, there really is a gap in the market. There is opportunities for someone like CILT to, to, to fill some of those. And some of our recent engagement with industry on the logistics side has, uh, has thrown up uh, some of these requirements and through our SkillNet network, we're a SkillNet network uh, provider. We are now rolling out a series of bespoke training uh, for uh, for the logistics side, as well as on, on the urban public transport side as well, because there are other skills gaps that are coming there. We have, I would suppose, over the last number of years seen many, many instances where, uh, from an educational point of view, we've almost got to saturation point in terms of the amount of, of third level education courses that are out there that were uh, you know, designed to fill the needs of, of the sector. So what we're getting is a huge amount of highly educated uh, um, uh, people coming out and uh, some of which are, are, are you know, they're, they're their first time graduates. Sometimes they're as a result of, of people with the skill sets going back and learning. That's less of a problem for the industry. But the, the graduates that are coming out with no experience are actually bringing a lot of education, but very little in terms of skills and very little in terms of, of uh, knowledge. And that's really where a lot of the gaps are, are starting to emerge. And this is what we're hearing from, from industry. So we're tailoring our uh, training and education courses, quite a lot of them through SkillNet, um, at this more vocational approach to it uh, and uh, less because we couldn't compete even if we wanted to and we're, we're not in a competitive environment. We wouldn't want to compete with, with the um, third level institutions. 93.9 Dublin South FM. I mentioned in the intro, you're hosting your first mobility and supply chain summit in late March in, in Dunleary. So what are the, the goals and the, and the main themes or topics for that, that event this March? So, yes, um, indeed, it's the 28th and 29th of March. I suppose there's been so much happening with industry, and if we can talk, talk just a little bit, because we would hope to address some of these points which, which uh, across the day. It's a day and a half, first of all, that I, I would say that 
we have a full day on the 28th and a half day on the 29th. Um, but I mean, we've got so many issues that have arisen that we haven't had an opportunity to meet and discuss with in the last two to three years. So we've got the whole post-COVID normalization. And I would suggest we probably haven't seen any of that yet. We, we Yes, we're in post-COVID, but what's the new normal? There is very little uh, settlement that I can see at the minute. We've got all of the labour and HR issues that have arisen out of COVID. And there's, you know, I've heard the arguments about there has been a, a level or a degree of commoditization of labour, you know, and, and we're seeing that in many industries where, you know, the, the inability to retain staff because of the, uh, you know, the, the market pressures, in particularly in terms of wages. And now with, with all of the upward uh, pressure that we have um, in, in terms of inflation, that's really putting a lot of pressure on, on, on companies. But obviously, the new technology that has, that has been deployed is uh, it's a big it's a big issue, and it drives, as I said earlier, issues around skills gaps. More importantly, I think than and, and one thing that really has challenged the industry is the changing customer demands and and our ability to be agile. We saw quite a lot of agility through COVID, but we fell back on the core skills in terms of of what logistics is about, and of course. Logistics ended up being uh, everyone was talking about it from whether Santa was going to deliver in, in time for Christmas and the rest of it. And everybody all of a sudden became, you know, experts within the supply chain side. So we were all new about what, how our, how our goods uh, came from the Far East and what sort of uh, pressures were being put there. Now it's less so, uh, but the difficulty is that uh, as we go to uh, security supply chains and you, we're seeing the emergence of onshoring, nearshoring, um, friendshoring, there is a, there's a new shoring almost coming out every week in terms of what essentially, though, uh, many companies are now looking to see how they can bring back and secure their supply chains. So we will, that's certainly one area we'll be giving a lot of attention to uh, at, the, at the conference. We'll have Dr. Paul Davis speaking about that as well as Martin Christopher. At the event itself then, what kind of uh, activities will be taking place and who who will be there, both you know, in terms of the, the experts and in terms of the types of people who you would hope will attend? Okay, so in terms of our experts, our headline our headline speaker is uh, Martin Christopher, who, as you know, the, I mean, he he's the the Godfather. Yeah, he's been he's been on this show actually, Martin Christopher. Has he? Okay. Yes. All right. yes. Well, Martin is our keynote speaker. He'll open up the conference on the morning of the 28th and he will give his perspectives on, on where the industry is post-COVID as well as what the emerging trends are. So um, he will take up the first part of that, uh, that morning session. Um, he'll be followed then. Uh, we, we will have a discussion uh, which will be... Um, which will be led uh, by John Mee and will include uh, uh, Dr. Paul Davis looking at the re-emergence of onshoring and so forth and, and how the whole east-west axis is being re-examined. And by this, by this um, we mean the reconfiguration of supply chains in response to some of these um, shocks that we've experienced over the years to bring them kind indeed. of maybe a, bit, a bit tighter to where the, uh, where the market is. Exactly. And, you know, to re-establish some a greater level of security, because nobody knew security was an issue until it became an issue. Yeah. <laughs> and now now it's, it's how do we respond to that and how do, yeah. how do we develop from them? And this so, summit then this summit then will become an annual event. Is that right? 
We're hoping so. Yeah, it's it's titled the Mobility and Supply Chain Summit. This year, it, it really will focus on whole supply chain and, and logistics. Uh, next year, we would hope that it uh, spread it out a little bit, uh, you know, over a full two days and include a little bit more on the mobility side. Um, it's curious as, as well. Um, we've seen how Ireland over the last number of years, despite all the challenges, Brexit, COVID, war in Ukraine has kind of proved very resilient economically up to now, at least. So what do you what do you think have been the reasons for that? And what do you think we need to do in both the public sector and the private sector to make sure that we actually continue to thrive like this into the future? Yeah, well, I I think you're right. Uh, um, We're. We do have a unique perspective here in Ireland in terms of the, you know, the issues and, and the, the challenges that we face in a European context are quite unique insofar as that, you know, traditionally, uh, in order to access our biggest markets straight across to the UK and from UK onto, on, onto Europe, it was a relatively straightforward, uh, uh, relatively straightforward uh, problem to solve. Now we're, we're seeing that with a reconfiguring of the market and because of Brexit and because of the, the issues with customs and so forth, that we've been, uh, there have been really quite extraordinary um, uh, minds put to work to come up with solutions that are really very, very clever. Um, and some of the ones were quite obvious, but because of the nature of the market, they've only developed now because of the additional sailings, let's say, from Ross Lair, the additional sailings from Dublin, the additional sailings from Cork. And if you just take that, whereas the land bridge was taken as the most cost effective manner of reaching Europe, yeah, and typically, uh, you know, putting a putting a, a, a truck and trailer across there, you're putting in two drivers uh, to get to get across to Europe. Now, um, people are saying, actually, with additional sailings, we can now save a driver. We can save the costs of that. Um, and yes, it's slightly slower, but from a cost point of view, and possibly even from a sustainability point of view, it may actually be a better. Uh, so what it goes back to the word I used earlier on, and I think it's a really key one, agility and the ability to, to uh, you know, adapt to the markets, adapt to the customer needs, because that above all else, I think we're pretty good at. Um, it's not that other people can't do it, but I think there's something about the Irish mindset that uh, that brings us into a, a better better capability when it comes to that. Um, we're cute. Let's put it that way. We're, we can be quite cute when it comes to things and, and, and yeah. you know, and take advantage of opportunities yeah. when they arise. We're cute. We're cute in the meaning, the old fashioned meaning of that word. You know, that that word now means you're kind of good looking or something. Yeah. Whereas we mean, <laughs> no, we're, yeah, sorry, we mean yeah. we're cute. Okay. We're cute like we're foxy cute. <laughs> Yeah, yes, indeed. <laughs> Just, yeah, I suppose a good clarification there, Pat. Some of the people listening to this will be my American. Age. Some of the people listening to this will be American and they go, they're, they're cute? They're okay. Cute. <laughs> okay. So we're, 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 kind, we're kind of wily and gregarious. I guess that's the kind of idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, and that stands to us quite a lot, you know. And we're also very good at, at making connections. We're very good at, at, at networking. We're very good at, at, at looking at and exploiting opportunities in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Now, outside of work, so we're not thinking about all of these um, head-wrecking <laughs> issues. Um, outside of work, what kind of things do you like to do in terms of hobbies and uh, other interests? I, my hobbies, are, well, theoretically, I like, you know, I fish, but I don't get there often enough. Um, I, I like to golf as well. Um, I'm into train modelling. 
Um, I model trains at OO, um, but uh, I'm not what they call a serious one. If you ask me any really serious questions, I'd be running into I'd be running into the buffers and all the puns intended. Um, and I like to read. Um, whenever I can, I get out and walk as far as I can. I heard a great saying some years ago by uh, Tommy Tiernan. He was being interviewed on a radio program, and and they said. He was. He had walked out to RTE from from the city centre, and they expressed great surprise at you know why did you, why would you walk from the city centre? And he gave the, what I thought was one of the greatest one liners ever. He said, "I like to walk the Egypt out of me," and <laughs> walking is a great way of clearing down all of these things that can be in in your head. And I thought that 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 one line from Tommy is uh, so it's one of the reasons I like to walk as well. And it's really it's a great way of. Uh, of calming down and, and getting your head reset. Yeah, I'm great. I'm a great fan of walking myself. So yeah, I I, yeah. I subscribe to that idea. Um, yeah. are, are you reading or listening to anything lately? You know, podcasts or eBooks that you found inspiring yourself I'm, that, you'd, I'm, that you'd recommend? I'm not really not at the minute. Um, and I I have to admit I'm I'm more of a a, a sort of uh, you know reading for. Um, Less, less about work and less about uh, less about having to think about too much. I read to I switch off, um, and I've never actually got into podcasts. I'm sorry about this, Patrick. To have to say this, I've never actually really got into them. I don't know why, but um, my wife is. So very, when you read when you read fiction, then what kind of fiction yeah. do you like? Do you read historical stuff or? Yeah, historical. I mean, I loved all the Cold War stuff. I love all of that. Um, I remember the Tom Clancy novels of this yeah. of the eighties and that. They were they were my absolute go to. Um, and I, you know, if I can find a really good novel like that, I just can become immersed in it. And, yeah. Well, actually, I have a, a a business mentor in a community that I'm involved in, and he's always admonishing us to stop reading business books and nonfiction books. And to read fiction, because he says you learn more about life and people and, you know, dealing with issues by reading fiction than you will by reading nonfiction. So you're probably on to a winner there. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Yeah, that's good. Can, so, can, I give one, can I give one plug just before we finish? Of course, of course. It's just in relation to the to the to the summit, and it was two. There are two key speakers that I just didn't get a chance. That one is Commissioner Jerry Harrell. He's one of our three revenue commissioners here in Ireland, and he's responsible for all of the customs and excise here, uh, but also has a role greater than that within Europe. And he's going to be speaking to the conference and giving some insights. There was a group who has met over the last number of years called the Wise Persons Group, who are following on from work that had been done by the Commission. And what we're going to do is get some insights into how EU customs will be developed over the next number of years. And a critical part of that, which is not really out there yet in the, in the, in the common knowledge, is about digitalization. We are going to see a sea change in how customs move into digitalization. And the second one that I want to mention is John McGrain, who is the current uh, um, Secretary General of the, of the uh, British Irish Chamber of Commerce. And he will be leading a, a discussion on day two around Brexit, just before the junior minister with responsibility for transport, Jack Chambers, closes out the conference. So we have some really good quality speakers. And, and I, uh, anybody who wants to have a look, uh, just go on to www.cltconference.com uh, where you can see and buy tickets if you wish. So sorry for the plug, Patrick, at the end. No, no, sure. I was going to invite you to do that in any case. So it's more than more than welcome. And, and also, I guess, 
Uh, people who might be interested in in membership, I I guess they can go to the website as well, which would be what cilti.ie www.cilt.ie cilt.ie and you go to the membership yeah. tab and you can find all that. Absolutely, we'd be, be glad to talk to you there. You'll see lots of what we do on the on the website. Excellent. Well, many thanks, Joe, for being here with us today. It was uh, an absolute pleasure to to chat with you. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks indeed. Thanks also to our listeners for tuning in again today and be aware that if you enjoyed this episode, you can find a full series of well over 100 episodes of Interlinks on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast and other major podcast platforms. So until next time, keep well and stay safe.